0: You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is our review of I Care A Lot. Good morning, Miss Peterson. I'm sorry to disturb you so early. The court has ruled that you require assistance in taking care of yourself. (laughs) I'm fine. I'm afraid it's not up to you to decide. The court has appointed me to be your legal guardian. What? You have to come with me. And remember, I'm here to help. My name is Marla Grayson. I'm just someone who cares. Marla Grayson, you've had amazing success. What's your secret?
1: There is no secret, Peter.
0: She forces them into the home, auctions off their house,
1: and uses the proceeds to pay herself. Because caring is my job. I will grab your dick and balls, and I will rip them clean off. Big I know what
0: you do here. Your hustle. Look at all these cash cows on your wall just leaking money into your account. But Jennifer Peterson, she's off limits. She has very powerful friends who can make life uncomfortable for you. How uncomfortable are we talking?
1: Hello, Marla Grace.
2: I don't like
3: you. You only just met me.
0: There's two types of people in this
3: world. Predators Ah! and prey.
2: I don't lose.
0: I won't lose. I'm never letting you go. Oh. You're in trouble now. I am a fucking lioness. All right, everybody. You were just listening to the trailer for I Care A Lot, and the story is as follows. A shady legal guardian lands in hot water when she tries to bilk a woman who who has ties to a powerful gangster. The film is starring Rosamund Pike, Peter Dinklage, Isaac Gonzalez, Diane Wiest, Chris Messina, Isaiah Whitlock Jr., and Macon Blair. It is written and directed by Jay Blakeson. Here to join me for this podcast review, I have Nicole Ackman.
2: Hi, everyone.
0: Sarah Clements. Hello. Ryan C. Showers.
3: I am a fucking
0: lioness. (laughs) And Dan Baer. Does anyone have a vape I can borrow? <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone. So I care a lot premiered at the Toronto International Film Festival where myself, Dan Baer, Sarah Clements uh, were lucky enough to see it at its premiere. Uh, we've been very, very excited for everyone to check it out since then. We were wondering where it was going to find a home. Netflix picked it up. And boy oh boy, are we lucky for that? Because in this age right now, where theaters are in short supply, I care a lot is widely available for a lot of people now to watch on Netflix, which gives them the Opportunity to see yet another excellent performance from Rosamund Pike, her third Golden Globe nomination for this film. And so, what do we think about it? There's a lot to get into with this one. Passing it off first to the person who I watched it with at TIFF, Dan Bear.
1: Um, where where to start? <laughs> um, I care a lot. It it was fun watching this at TIFF having absolutely no context for it other than the cast and the plot synopsis because we had no clue what the tone was going to be or what it was really going to be about.
0: And it was also, like, the only movie uh, of the pack of films that we saw that had this kind of a tone.
1: Yes, it was very unique amongst all the films at TIFF in terms of its tone, absolutely. And I was so enamored with it at that point because it had a very strong sense of style and uh, Jay Blakeson, the director knew exactly how much camp the material could handle. It was um, just the control of tone was so tight and so strong and Rosamund Pike... Uh, she's just she's just meant to play these deliciously evil characters. I of course I say that in the same year that Radioactive also came out, and she's playing, you know, a sainted version of Marie Curie, but she is meant to play this type of character. Her voice is so mellifluous and rich and she has that evil, that glint in her eye that you just know there's always something happening in her brain and when paired with the um, the sharpest bob money can buy plus a vape that makes her look like a literal dragon lady uh, there's just no topping her, you cannot top her um, and I really especially loved at the time the, um the the very casual uh, way it handled the gate the queerness of the story loved it loved it loved it was not expecting it and it's just there as a story point and not a big deal is made about it and like yes we stand casual queer representation even in the be gay do crimes genre uh, and I was very excited to see this again. Uh, now that it's on Netflix, because I haven't seen it since Toronto. And I am so happy to say that it held up spectacularly well. The cast is just on fire. It is still just as uh, colorful and almost like pop art-y as I remembered it was. And the the tone is still, it's unlike anything, it is so much fun and so much uh wickedness (laughs) (laughs) and it's rare that we get a combination of those two that actually is equal parts fun and wicked and this nails it i i love it a lot
0: all right not just caring about it he loves it you hear that people Mm -hmm. let's pass it over next to sarah clements sarah what do you think of i care a lot
4: this, I watched it for the third time last night. I remember watching it first at TIFF and then there was still time on my screener. So I was like, Mom, you're sitting down with me and you're watching it with me because it's so fun. But <laughs> I, first I wanted to say that like, if you're not in the U.S., then it's probably on Amazon Prime for you for some reason. I don't know. I mean, first of all, it is, you know, two gays doing crime. Like, it's hard for me not to like a film about two, two gays doing crime. And I think since seeing it at TIFF, it's still the most stylish film I've seen this year. The cast is phenomenal. And it's just so wild that even on the third time, I just forgot about a lot of the things that happened in it. And I was like, oh, right, this happens. And it felt like I was watching it for the first time again. Um, but apart from, you know, it being super fun and... Um, it balances tone really well and, you know, it's humorous, but it's also looking at a really serious topic that I don't really recall seeing in film before. Like, I never really thought about the whole guardianship of elderly people thing before. Um, So while it's, you know, a blast, I love that there's also some thematic uh, weight to it. And the fact that, of course, um, Rosman is tapping into like an Amy Dunn kind of sociopath type character and i think is probably her my favorite role of hers since gone girl so yeah i just i love it
0: awesome awesome let's hear next from nicole ackman
2: so first of all i just want to say suits <laughs> the yellow suit that she wears every suit on Christmas Cena. um mm. the clothing in this movie i don't think i've uh, this this kind of stands up there in terms of like contemporary costume design from the past few years with things like A Simple Favor and Knives Out. I think uh, the costume design in this film is just absolutely gorgeous. But also, like I am convinced that Rosamund Pike can do literally anything that she wants, having watched this and A Private War and Pride and Prejudice all within like a three week period. Um, is one of the best examples of range I think I've ever seen in an actor. Uh, And especially, you know, for people who've watched Radioactive, I love the fact that she can do that and then she can also do this. Um, I like that she hasn't, you know, even as good as she is at this kind of role, I love that she hasn't just let herself get pigeonholed into this sort of role. But God, when she does this kind of gone girl role like this one is, she is so good and i have some issues with the film i um to be honest like it's kind of one of those ones that i admire it and i like it more than i love it but i think that it's so impeccably well made and that she is so good and really the whole cast are so good that uh it it just really shocked me how uh impressed i was by it
0: all right all right and ryan c showers
3: so this is a movie that has two very specific aims and it really succeeds at both. One of which is just to be an entertaining like movies, movie type of a, a deal in terms of its style and its presentation. Um, but then also it does have a lot to say about, you know, uh, there uh, there are a lot of thematic elements to the, uh, to the film. Um, its centerpiece is this Marxist um, criticism of, capitalism and, um, as Sarah was saying, um, treatment of the elderly, but I was also so impressed with the um, with the LGBT um, inclusion in that thematic aspect of the film, as well as the feminism, which is more direct than I was expecting. Um, and, you know, this is probably the one of the most beautiful films I've seen in the 2020 slash 2021 year. Um, you know, the cinematography is, like, it's it's brilliant like a diamond. Like, it's just, the, the aesthetic is so, so pretty. And, like, the costumes and set design, like Nicole said, they're, like, a shining example of, like, contemporary proficiency in these two departments of filmmaking and crafts. Um, I thought the movie was so funny, as well as being so dark and sinister. Um, and Rosamund Pike and, really, the entire cast, this is a, a solid cast ensemble they all hit it out of the park there i i do have some slight criticisms about um, the way peter dinklage is handled um at at, at points but um other than that i pretty much thought this was a blast of a movie and i've seen it twice now and it holds up even better on the second time um i love movies about a hustle you know my favorite movie of the decade was american hustle so you combine that with like an amazing amy type of a character like uh, you, you can't go wrong with me. But I will say, my expectations of the film were all immensely satisfied.
0: Okay, all right. Sarah uh, mentioned something before that uh, I really appreciated, and it's probably the one thing about this movie that I like the most, and that is that this is a very unique American crime film in that its topic of this guardianship uh, world, if you will, is something that is uh, fairly new to a lot of people and that we haven't seen before. So that does allow a bit of a window into telling an entrepreneurial (laughs) crime story uh, that is one that is, you know, not based on reality, but one that, you know, can open up our eyes to um, things that are going on out there in the world. But also, too, it's a really, really hard look at... Uh, as you mentioned, Ryan, just American capitalism and this idea of how in order to get to the top 1%, you need to be absolutely fucking ruthless. And you've got to be diabolical. You got to step on people. You got to take no prisoners. And Marla Grayson, I think in a lot of ways, is a lot like Jordan Belfort in The Wolf of Wall Street, a despicable character of that we know is morally wrong for doing what it is that uh, they are doing, but you can't help but admire them. You can't help but be impressed by them. You can't help but just kind of be in awe of the success that they have accumulated doing what it is that they're doing, which is taking a broken system and using it to their advantage. She tells uh, Peter Dinklage's character at one point, Uh, or somebody about him, I I can't remember exactly, but she says something along the lines of, you know, if you bring guns uh, into a nursing home, don't come at me with those rules, play by my rules, and let's see who comes out on top. It's a really, really interesting way of looking at how flawed this system is, and how, People are exploiting it and using it to their advantage to get to the top. And I think Jay Blakeson is very, very interested in exploring the morality uh, behind that and the characters and presenting a very, very interesting character for us to deal with in Marla Grayson. Because quite honestly, these are my favorite type of characters. The ones who you know we have to ask questions about and look in, inside of ourselves and ask, okay, why am I rooting for this person? I know what they're doing is morally wrong, and I think it just brings up a lot of interesting conversation as a result.
3: Well, Matt, I'm so glad that you started with that because um, I love morally gray characters or like characters that we go on a journey with as they become morally gray. So this movie was ripe for the pickings um, in this aspect. Um, however, I don't, I, I don't know if everybody rooted for her. To be honest, like I, um, I've seen a lot of reactions to the film, um, that I was kind of surprised by. Like I see, I watch the film, and I'm kind of looking at it from all these cultural issues, and the, um, I'm really caught up in like the cinematic flair and the style of it. But, um, I forget that like some people are actually very uncomfortable about this topic, and they watch the first, the first third, and they're really uh, kind of off put by her actions and what her what her hustle is.
0: Well, you know what it is, is because the old hustle, the way that characters like Peter Dinklage's character plays is with these masculine threats, violence, mm-hmm. aggression, you know, and she is playing in a new way that yeah. goes 100% against the patriarchy way of doing things. Mm-hmm. And it is like this new combative style that the patriarchy has every reason to feel threatened by. <laughs> and so I think people are, you know, very uncomfortable with that.
1: And, and yet the film ends on a note of the patriarchy assimilating her into <laughs> their existing power structures.
0: Which is, I got to admit, I, I, I want to just kind of tie that into maybe my initial thoughts here. I am so, so, so on board with this movie until, I kid you not, the final four minutes
4: hmm
0: And it's really? not for and it's not, yeah, well, I wrote that in my initial review, and Dan, we talked about it at, at the time at TIFF.
1: I, I remember vaguely us talking about that. I love the, I don't remember my exact thoughts on the ending from way back when, but this time I was like, my cold, unfeeling, cynical heart absolutely mm. adored <laughs> the, the the last 4 minutes it's the last like minute of the film that i was like oh, i don't know like the very last thing that happens in the movie, cool. I don't know that I like that. Well, that's what I'm, that's what I'm referring to. Yeah,
0: no, because like it, it's sending this message of establishment of the top one percent, eat the rich, kill them all, and all this stuff that we on the sidelines, as the not one percenters, are always like, yeah, fuck the rich, you know. And then when we actually get to know who the rich are, and we understand their you know, where they're coming from. And, you know, we see their journey and stuff. This movie then all of a sudden wants to have a, have a cake and eat it too type of ending that I got to admit, I was both morally conflicted. And at the same time, I was like, all right, justice is served. But at the same time, like what is the ultimate takeaway here? Plus, plus forget if you want to disagree with me on this, that's totally fine. But one thing that you can't disagree with me on is we never find out what happens to the other characters. And that's something that's a bit of a disappointment for me with the ending.
4: Yeah, okay. like yeah. I love I love a good villain and I love rooting for a good villain. And I was all about Marla. I was like, you know what? I would let her be my guardian. Like, I don't care. <laughs> and then the last few minutes, I was like, I mean, I've since I've watched it several times, it's sort of sat better with me. But I was like, like, I mean, sure. Like. She got what she deserves, I guess. But like, do I like it? Not really. Like, you know what I mean? It's very. <laughs> and conflicting. I think that's,
1: I think that's the sort of thing that I do like about it because so many of these types of movies, they either leave you on a note of, um, triumph for their lead morally gray character, or it's like an out and out. Tragedy and this one walks the line between them so well.
0: Yeah, it reminded me, it reminded me of the ending of Uncut Gems in a lot of ways. But like I said, I think the thing that for me that hurt was we don't know what happens with Peter Dinklage's character in the aftermath of this. We don't know what happens to uh I um Isaac Gonzalez in the aftermath of this. We don't know what happens to Diane Weiss. We don't know what happens to anybody. And it feels like Jay Black Blakeson didn't know how to end his movie because It's this cat and mouse chess game between these two unstoppable, you know, the unstoppable force meets the immovable object in Mm. Marla Grayson. And I I keep, again, his his character's name, but I'll just keep saying Peter Dinklage's character. (laughs) They don't really say his name until like...
4: It's Roman. Yeah, it's
0: Roman. Okay, it's Roman. But either way, Mm -hmm. it feels like Jay Blakeson just didn't know where to go at the end because they just kept one-upping each other. And it's like, all right, we have to come up with an ending somewhere. See, and...
2: I <laughs> I actually really like the ending. And I think it's because of the precise way that it's done. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, I think that had that ending not tied in the very beginning of the movie, would have I would have been like, why do we have that? Like, yeah, like a lot just that's to fair. set up nothing. Um, but also, I think it kind of goes to show the fact that, like, all this time we see her getting away with these things and not having any consequences Um, and sort of in that last minute you learn that there are consequences and the thing that she thought was the big threat the whole movie turned out not to be the biggest threat at all in a way like it was the thing that she didn't see coming because she forgot to think about essentially like real people Um, and that's why it worked so well for me
3: that's good I like that I agree with Nicole yeah. I think honestly, the the ending needed. I actually think the ending is absolutely perfect, and I love that it th- there's like a fake out, like uh, in a way, and then there's like then there's a more definitive ending. Um, and I feel like the movie wouldn't work so well because there's not a, a, a pure character to root for throughout the whole movie. And then uh, in terms of like in terms of morals, um, I think it, that's offset by the playfulness of the tone and the style throughout the film. But without such a definitive like ending to this character, and like Nicole said, her having to face some consequences, I don't think like on one like on one hand the audiences would be kind of even more put by by it. But then two, I think that she like, what happens is needed to happen in order for there to be a statement about how you know these dubious people you know game the system, create huge businesses and monoliths, and um, Uh, there has to be a consequence for the actions that they don't face. So I think that it's absolutely pitch perfect.
2: Yeah. And as someone who I struggled a little bit with the movie, especially like in the middle of it, in that not only, like I'm all down for a good villain character and I love the character of Marla, but for me, it was a little hard because there isn't anyone in the movie to root for. Like, there's not a character that I would even call morally gray in the film. Like, they're pretty much just all bad. And I do kind of wish that maybe they'd made, like, the character of Jennifer Peterson a little bit more... Um, I, I don't I don't want to say, like, nicer or something, but a little bit easier to at least, like, want to see, you know, her not go through what she's going through.
0: Oh, interesting, because I, I thought they actually succeeded
1: in doing that.
2: I mm-hmm. they. Failed to fully make me care about her.
1: I mean, she is still the mother of a mobster.
0: True, but (laughs) we never really...
1: Yeah,
0: uh, yeah, but we never see her getting directly involved in her son's business, necessarily.
2: Right. I, I needed, like, one more scene of her, you know, having some, like moment of emotion or something Yeah, um, because she never really gets that. Like even like a, I just want to see my son type of moment would have made it work for me a little bit better, but we don't really get much emotion from her other than some anger. Um, And so I, I actually did struggle with the film throughout a big part of it. And what Ryan was saying about the fact that like the tone kind of saves it is what saved it for me because Um, If it had a darker tone, I think I would have switched totally off into just, like, not caring. But the fact that the tone was so fun kind of kept me with it. But because of all of that, I think that's part of why the ending worked so well for me, is that it is saying that, like, you know, in the end we want to see people like this face some sort of consequence for their actions. And I do agree. I kind of wish that we knew what happened like to Roman Peter Dinklage's character as well. Um, but yeah, I just, I, well, and it's, it's the kind of thing where I don't want to say like, I love the character of Marla as she is. I did not want to see her not be the villain that she is. Cause I think she's a fascinating villain. But at the same time, I kind of needed someone else to sort of grasp onto.
0: Yeah, I think like, you know, in terms of the ending and who to morally root for, I don't have a problem with that. And I don't even have a problem with the decision and uh in, that the ending does make with her character arc. It, it's more so it just feels like it's rushed and it. The movie just has to end somewhere. And like I said, we don't know what consequences this has on Roman. We don't know what happens to Chris Messina's character. We don't know what happens to Diane Weiss's character. Like, Sorry,
1: those characters don't matter. Agreed. I'm just going to say it. it's her story. <laughs> but here's the thing, though. I'm seeing a lot
0: of people online having this take of lesbian romance ending the way it ends in this movie. Mm. And I think that there needs to be some sort of a better taste left in people's mouths to have this go down easier for them.
4: As a lesbian, I, I think it just depends on how, like, there's a difference between having such an evil person who also happens to be gay get what they deserve in the end versus, like, something like, I don't know, The 100, where the lesbian character is, like, shot with a stray bullet just because they want to, like, get rid of her, like, for no damn reason. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, totally. So I Absolutely. think I
4: don't have an issue with this at all. It just depends on how they do it, right, and how the character is.
3: I, I agree with Sarah I th- and with Dan, too. Like, I don't um, I, I don't care about the other characters. Like, they, all the other characters are in service of Marla Grayson, and she is the story here. It doesn't. It, 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 what happens with Peter Dinklage and Diane Weist doesn't really impact what happens with Marla Grayson. The story becomes about her. I mean, it is about her, but the arc is about her, her her success and triumph and fall. I actually look
0: at it as a uh, uh, as a positive thing in a way because Jay Blakeson got me to care a lot about these. Performances, these characters, this story—that I am so invested in—in uh, in finding out, uh, you know, just what happened to the rest of them outside of Marla. So I don't, I don't view it as like a hard knock against the movie necessarily. Once again, I just think that the ending kind of like uncut gems, and y'all remember how I reacted to that movie when I first saw it for the first time. I just had like this knee jerk reaction of like, oh well, that's very unsatisfying. But they got what they deserved, and I guess that's the moral message of the movie in the end so all right tough pill to swallow but I'll swallow it
3: Well you know and going back to what Sarah said about like uh, about the way that the le- the lesbian aspect to this, mm-hmm. I think it's actually even I think the, the 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 fact that the main couple here are two women in a in a romantic relationship I think that's like, I think that it's that's made richer the, the ending is made richer because of that or their relationship is made richer by the ending. I don't think that it's a negative thing. I don't think there's like some like cultural like a dog whistle against like lesbians with what happens with the arc of the film
0: No, I think that's just I think that's just people honestly like just being tired of the way that Lesbians are sometimes portrayed on screen, as Sarah mentioned before, and they view this as another version of that, when in reality, the movie has carefully laid out the character arc of Marla Grayson, and it ends exactly where you expect it to end.
3: Mm -hmm. And I have to say, like, you know, the way that they handle the romance and the relationship at the center of this is so beautiful. It's delicate. It's it's Mm -hmm. natural. There's not even a second question about their relationship or the fact that it just is. It just Mm -hmm. is like, it's in the way that they, the, the, the romance is actually very direct and it's very um, consistent throughout, which I also appreciated. It wasn't just like a scene here or there. It wasn't just a glance here or there. Like these two women really get to show their love for each other in different ways. And I think that also helps with the fact that these are two kind of bad people Kind of like in the same way of like Christian Bale and Amy Adams and American Hustle, like that movie really gets to gets us to care about them as a as a couple through their love. And even though they're doing literally the same thing that Marla and her uh, and her girlfriend are doing here. Um, and I think this movie achieves exactly what American Hustle does in getting us to care about them through their relationship.
4: Um I love how like through this relationship you get to see like a different side of Marla as well mm-hmm. like more and more emotion- yes. more emotional or like vulnerable and stuff.
0: No, I love that too because to others she's this like ice cold hard woman and I I think that actually this this relationship is one that does give her another layer. Uh, but at the same time it's never like exploited or part of the plot yeah. like it could have very easily have been a man. But I think making it a woman uh, actually goes more into what I was saying earlier, which is this is a different type of crime movie in a different type of world that we are living in. And I love that it kind of feeds into, like I said, this old versus new way of crime, success, the American dream, whatever you want to call it, America has changed And I think that that's kind of, like, epitomized in almost every single aspect of this movie.
1: It's really exciting. (laughs) Yeah. I also really love how we get hints at Marla's backstory. Oh, yeah. But we don't get a full-on explanation. Like, she keeps saying, like, I just want to be rich. You know, I've been poor, and I'm not doing that again. And I love that there isn't like some sob story about like, you know, growing up in a you know, poor neighborhood when everyone around her died. She got she got mommy and daddy issues or something. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's just but We don't need it. Like the past is the past. What matters is that she has made this decision for herself and she is going full throttle. And what matters is the present. I absolutely love that. If anything, it makes her more fascinating that we have to fill in the blanks. Yes.
3: You know, in in that way, because like the way that Marla is characterized is indirect and direct. It reminded me a bit of the way that Cassie is characterized in Promising Young Woman to an extent. Sure. With her backstory. Um, but actually, I was listening to an interview with Rosman um, about this character, and she she made reference to Marla's backstory. Actually, involves her starting a vape business, and it, she got <laughs> screwed by you no, know, she got screwed by different businesses, and they kind of exploited her idea, and she was forced to go out of business, and that's how she kind of became this more cunning person. And it's never they they don't reference it directly at all in the movie. But the fact that she does carry around this massive, yeah, massive vape, vape—it's <laughs> like you know, there's just again, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of detail and texture here that really enriches the story.
0: I overheard before uh, that, and I don't remember who said it, but someone mentioned that uh, they had some issues with uh, Dinklage in this, and I, I have to say, this is the first time in a very, very long time that I've seen Dinklage get like a substantial role in a movie like mm-hmm. this. He's had yeah. substantial roles in small films, but I, I'm just like kind of just more happy than anything that he wasn't necessarily like a third string supporting player as a part of like an ensemble. Like he really, I thought, got to shine a lot in this movie.
1: And I love that it mm-hmm. didn't feel like a role that was written for him. No, like it could have been anyone in that part. And they decided to cast him because he, you know, (laughs) he's a great actor, really
0: fun in this role.
1: Like nothing is ever mentioned
0: about his size. There's no lines of dialogue, no jokes made by his henchmen or anything like that. Like just like the lesbian uh, relationship in this movie, he just is. And it makes the movie all the better for it.
4: Yeah, and everyone's, like, genuinely scared of him, and I love it. Yeah. So.
2: Oh, he's
1: terrifying. <laughs> he's
2: so yeah. great. The
1: the scene early on where um he just, like, eats the eclair before <laughs> pointing a gun at the henchman who failed him. It's so good. I love how he
0: tries to come off as a mob boss who is very much in control of his emotions, and there are these scenes where he is internalizing such rage <laughs> like you can feel it like scorching the screen <laughs> radiating off of him <laughs>
1: i love it i do love it
0: it makes the one scene where he's like pelting the food at Christmasina, i think a little bit out of place because every other scene he is like really fighting against you know that rage that's in him yeah, sure but other than that i thought his performance in this was awesome
3: and that's kind of what I alluded to earlier, like because it was me that kind of referenced him. I don't think anything's wrong with his performance. I think he's great. I think it's more so the way that some of the scenes are some of his scenes at like on the edges are just a bit rough. like, um, and it's more so a, a critique of the directing. like matt, that that the scene where he's throwing the stuff is a, is a bit it doesn't completely work for me. Um, and then there are some times where I feel like his scenes linger on too long without being, they could have been a little crisper, and I don't think that's representative anywhere else in the film. Um, But that's literally my only criticism of the film, for real.
1: The news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased, and essential world news daily.
0: I mean, my two favorite scenes in the whole movie... Are the verbal sparring matches between Rosman Pike and Chris Messina, and then Rosman Pike and Peter Dinklage twice? <laughs> the verbal sparring, the the
1: writing is just so awesome. What she says to Dinklage, "What are you going to do? Make another big fucking speech?"
4: It's such a quotable movie. Oh my God. It's so great.
0: I mean, Chris Messina's got that one scene with her. I mean, he's in other scenes, but. That scene so is so well-directed, so well-written, and so well-performed by the both of them. I think because it's probably – I think the majority of that scene is shot in close-ups. Mm-hmm. It is. So I think that's what probably helps it a lot. It, it it really is like one of the film's best assets that the verbal sparring uh, is so cunning and so manipulative and diabolical that it makes the film uh, that wicked fun that we're describing, you know?
2: Yeah. I also think it's funny because in one of those scenes that uh, she has with um, Peter Dinklage, there was some dialogue that at first I was like, really? Like, she says, like, who are you? And he says, a dangerous man. And I was like, are we actually doing that? But then she calls him on it. And I was like, oh, okay, we're <laughs> self-aware. That's fine then. Um, I, like, yeah. Is
1: that what it says on your <laughs> business card? Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, because at first I was like, oh, I thought this... I thought the script was better than that. Um, but then I was like, oh, no, we're actually playing like with these tropes of yep. how these men talk in movies like this. Yep, um, And I thought that was really cool.
0: Exactly. It goes uh, to that theme, as I said before, of like, this is how the patriarchy has for how many years gotten exactly what they wanted in organized crime by talking this way, behaving this way. And she's coming at them with this underestimated new way of doing things legally and without remorse and just pure cunning. And they are so taken aback by it because she's smarter than them. They're using brute force, but she is using her mind and they just can't, they can't peg her down. I
2: actually think it's really interesting if you look at the fact that most of the white men that we see in this movie are in subservient positions. Um, Like the judge that we see is a black man. The doctor is a woman. um, And, you know, other than Peter Dinklage, and and that's even a little bit different because we never see him directly using brute force or anything like that. Um, He's much more the mastermind. Um, I just thought that was very interesting that I was like, oh yeah, huh. The fact that even like the judge and the doctor um, are also sort of helping to this being this sort of thing that goes against your normal movie of this type that you would expect, I think is really interesting.
3: I think that's an awesome observation, Nicole. And, like, it it just goes into the level of detail that is that has been put into this movie and the way that, like, um, its point of view is um, portrayed and um, conveyed to us, um, you know, I also just really appreciated how direct the film was about its feminism because, like, going into it, I wasn't expecting it to be—I wasn't expecting a cool girl speech um, from Rosman this time around. But you know, I was—I ex- I was just kind of expecting them to just do their thing and they'd be badass women, you know, whatever. Um, and she has several; she has two monologues where she kind of talks about, like, yeah, um, men—they t- tell you—they threaten you only when they have nothing else to. Um, to use against you, and yes. I've been threatened thousands of times, and I've only been ever has only been ever acted on twice. Or that glorious thing that she says to the guy at the beginning um, about ripping his dick and balls off, and like I, there are so many things like that throughout the film. Like even like Chris Messina's character, the way that he like patronizingly tells uh, uh, talks about the doctor. He calls her a she doctor. Um, Like, you know, it's so... The film has such a great sense of feminism um, in a way I wasn't expecting.
1: I totally agree, Ryan. That's one of the ways that the movie is so much fun, is watching Rosamund Pike just, like, stick it to these men with a haircut that is sharper than any knife. Like, I...
2: (laughs) I also think it's nice that it doesn't veer into, like girl boss feminism like i think a lesser film might have like we're never supposed to be like oh well it's fine that she does all of this because she's a woman it's just like um it's there to sort of reinforce the fact that like uh she is working within this sort of corrupted society and i think there's even maybe a hint of the fact that like if this society in this patriarchy weren't so bad. Maybe she wouldn't have to do all these things.
0: Well, that's a yeah, that's like her speech in the beginning, right? Yeah. Uh, About having to be uh, ruthless and that she's not a lamb. She's a fucking lioness. Um, And she says most of us are weak, compliant and scared, but not her.
4: I love that line mm-hmm. that's like, playing fair is a joke invented by rich people to keep yes! the rest of the poor. Yes. <laughs> I really love good. it so much. She's spilling some tea right away. Okay.
0: <sighs> you know, you really got to think, think about it, you know, in a lot of ways, you know, and I, I, I'm not going to lie. Like, I, I've thought about it, like, with things with NBP before, even in the past, where it's like, you know, do you want to become successful quickly by not necessarily breaking the rules, but by just being a little bit more aggressive and ruthless in how you go about things? Or do you want to play it nice and, you know, have it organically grow, you know, over time? And people have their way of doing things in life, and she's clearly chosen, like, her path. And I I think it's just one of those things where, you know, we don't have to agree with it, and you may not like the movie because it is, you know, it's hard to root for someone who takes us on that kind of a journey. But then I would say, hey guys, exhibit A, Martin Scorsese films, here you go. <laughs> like, these kinds of stories have been told before time and time and time again. This one just has a few unique spins on it is all.
3: I think it makes people uncomfortable having such a cynical outlook on life. Like, actually, I feel like there are two ways that people could be uncomfortable by the film. One, I think some people would even agree with what Marla says at the beginning about how un- how playing fair gets you nowhere but then they would be uncomfortable seeing that actually acted out you know in in execution yeah. um but then there are also people who are just deeply uncomfortable with this idea that the world is unfair and the way that um the way that our system works with money is uh, unfair they would that that's alien to them like it almost like shakes their whole core way of being um in terms of working hard getting paid and moving up the ladder of the american dream or whatever Um, And this movie takes no prisoners in dispelling that truth or that or or that idea.
0: Yep. Yeah, completely. I love it for it. (laughs) All right. So, uh, Nicole, passing it over to you first. Final thoughts on I Care A Lot and what grade would you give it?
2: The one thing that we haven't talked about that I want to call out is I think this film's cinematography is really good. Um, Especially Mm -hmm. there's that one shot of her underwater is just stunning. Um but I think like in terms of crafts this film is so impeccably made on every um wavelength really uh that I even though like I said I did struggle a little bit with the fact because and like I will say this is not my kind of movie. I don't like Scorsese movies. Because of that even you know with that sort of obstacle to me connecting with it I really did enjoy it and I think it's really smartly done. So whenever I watched it, I was sort of in between a seven and an eight, but honestly, after discussing it, I'm an eight. Oh, wow. Okay.
1: Cool. Dan bear. Um, I, before I say anything else about this movie, I want to call out, uh, Mark Canham's score. Oh, okay. Because I think that that score is so key into this movie feeling as much fun as it is. I mean, it is high energy, but also dark in a way that really sums up, I think, what the tone of the film is striving for. And uh, I, I, I think about the, the, the sequence after they send Jennifer to the home where they're going through all her stuff, figuring out how much it's worth – that is a sequence that, like... I mean, she's being rather despicable in that sequence, but the score is so, like, driving and high energy that you have fun with it. Um, and I think that the score throughout is really strong, and I I love it a lot for how well it works with what the film is trying to do. Um, I also want to give a big shout-out to Diane Wiest, who is... <laughs> having so much fun in this movie. Um the character is, you know, sort of perpetually once she gets to the um to the f- care facility that Marla puts her in, she is constantly, you know, on a round of drugs that makes her kind of out of it and she is having just so much fun playing that out of it and she gets one at least one really really great iconic line that i need gift to all hell <laughs> um, and that i can't say but it starts off with have at it you little crock of oh yeah <laughs> i'm not i'm not going to say that the last word but like uh, like queen we stand <laughs> it's she's everything um I I also, lo- like little details, I love that Marla and Peter Dinkage's hen- henchman, Alexi, have the same haircut. <laughs> oh my gosh, I didn't realize that. <laughs> they ab- Discount Alexander Skarsgård, yeah. They absolutely have the same haircut, and it's amazing. Um, I want to wear every single one of Rosamund Pike's power suits uh, and, and Chris Messina's. I just really, really love all the little details in this film. The details of the production design and the costumes and <laughs> Rosamond's hair. Again, I think it's so tightly controlled. This is um, Jay Blixen, I think, is someone to watch. This is a director who knows exactly what he wants to say and exactly what he wants this movie to be, and he wants it to walk a very tricky tonal line. And he by God, he does it really well. So I I think this movie is a lot of fun. I don't think it's perfect, but I love it for what it is. And so few films get this type of tone right. And this one does it really, really well. I'm at a very strong eight for this movie. All righty. Sarah Clements.
4: I just wanted to talk about like my favorite scene in the film, which, um, or imagine it's one of my favorites, at least. It's the one where like, at the beginning... <laughs> You know, she has all the pe- old people's faces on the wall, right? And then one of them dies. And mm-hmm. she literally just, like, takes his picture off of the wall and then dumps it in the trash. And I think it really sets the tone so well for what's to come. I was like, oh, my God. Like, she really does not <laughs> care about these people. What's going to happen?
1: And well, but then it also she starts off saying that, like, oh, no, he died. Like, <laughs> that's awful. And then she goes into... <sighs>
4: God, it's like I a Rachel McAdams thing in Game yeah. Night where she's like, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> but, then, but then
1: immediately she's like, oh god damn it. Now I have to sell everything and liquidate the yeah. assets to give it to his inheritors.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what is does uh, Christmas say? The paperwork must be brutal. Yeah.
4: <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I just want to give a shout out to I think my favorite uh, male character in the film, which is the guy at the gas station. Who, like, does not have a single line of dialogue and has to, like, keep a straight face while Rosmond Pike's just, like, stripping off all her clothes in front of him. Uh, I love that scene so much. She puts so her hot. face
0: on the hot dog heater. Yeah.
4: <laughs> That's one of the scenes I totally forgot about. And then I watched it, like, yesterday and I was like, oh, I forgot about this scene. And it's, like, one of my favorites. Um, yeah. And my score is a 9 out of 10.
3: Nice. Wow. Okay. Ryan, I just want to reiterate the fact that like, I mean, I was expecting to love this movie the way I do, um, going into it, uh, based on, I-, I
0: thought I prepped you pretty well for it.
3: Yeah, I think <laughs> everyone prepped me pretty well. And, um, I watched the trailer literally a hundred times. So, um, no, I, so it delivered for me and it really satisfied me. Um, but then also, the the themes really like it, it pushed me over the edge in a way. like the the last five minutes really did take my breath away on top of all of the great Marxist, gender, um feminist things that they played with um throughout. Um, but the thing that was the most surprising to me was just how gorgeous this movie was from start to finish. Like I actually think this might be my personal costume design winner. Um, I, 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 think it's such a great looking film and, um, I, I, I'm a nine out of 10. I think another thing that I like about this movie is the fact that it is kind of an issues movie with the way that it discusses and brings to attention, um, the treatment of old people and, and the elderly, but it doesn't like beat you over the head with it. It's still a very entertaining, fun, plot driven story and character driven story. I, I would say it's, it's both. Um, but like it does, it, it's an issues the movie without banging you over the head with it, which is why it's so fun.
1: I really want to second that Ryan. And I think that's part of the important thing about the end of the movie is that it really, um, hammers home that, you know, that <laughs> yes, you may have had a lot of fun watching Marla, but this is a real issue. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, we need to be aware. As she says, the
0: final line of the movie. It's been fun. (laughs) <laughs> uh, I really love the sleek visual style of this movie as been uh, mentioned by a couple of others before. It was a welcome breath of fresh air from the other movies that uh, we saw at TIFF. And I was very, very happy that on a second viewing, it held up uh, very well as a piece of entertainment uh, for me. Um, I'm probably going to end up re-watching it again. I cannot wait to show it to my sister, my parents, and a few others who I have in mind as well. Um, I echo also what everyone said about the contemporary costumes. Contemporary costumes deserve more recognition recognition. recognition for awards people and i think this movie is a great example of that i especially like the scene where they make the care facility look so nice they're they're basically killing jennifer peterson with uh kindness in that scene uh everyone is smiling everything is in slow motion it's just so shiny really really like that scene um I like the scene where Jennifer uh, Peterson unlocks her cell phone, and her code is 71 <laughs>
1: <laughs> It's so real. It's so it's, real.
0: It is. It really is. Uh, when Chris Messina threatens her, she uh, Rosamund Pike takes a pause. And before she says her line, she blows her vape. And it's just like the most perfectly timed vape in the movie for me. <laughs> I, and I really, really just I, – I, I I, love that backstory that you mentioned before, Ryan, from that interview. And I love that that's like not a part of the movie. But th- this damn vape, I mean, best use of a prop I have seen in a movie in quite
1: some time. <laughs> I mean, seriously, like it really made me – like. Can strongly consider, like, Ooh, should I get a vape? I love that <laughs> like, so I can be badass
2: with it. I saw Same. someone on Twitter and I don't remember who it was, but someone on Twitter was like, I love that Like in movies, villains used to smoke cigarettes and I guess they have vapes now. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Uh, Diane Weiss's line reading of
1: Oh, you're in
0: trouble now yeah. is amazing amazing claps oh, all she around is amazing she is a gem and in her ever line reading of i'm the worst mistake you'll ever make <laughs> just she's having so much fun as mentioned before and once again uh, the movie does a great job of getting me to care about her and you know, Dinklage's character, and I just kind of wish I knew where they ended up at the end is all. Uh, But the escalating stakes of this movie is something that I also appreciate. It starts off fun, breezy, almost like in a Knives Out, audience friendly sort of a way, where it's just pure entertainment. But as the movie goes on, it gets darker, and it starts just escalating, and the risks become greater, and I just really like that build-up. Up Up until, like I said, I, I just feel that the ending is a little rushed. I don't I don't mind the decision uh, that Jay Blakeson made and in, in, like, what he chose uh, to uh, how to end Marla's journey, but I just wish the execution was a little bit tighter, was all. And then one last thing. One last thing. It's a pet peeve of mine. But I can't stand how long movie characters can hold their breath underwater. I'm sorry. I just can't stand it. <laughs> It really, it really bugs me.
3: <laughs> I actually think that it, it's portrayed realistically here. Like, cause I watched, so I've seen the film twice in like 24 hours. And if you, I was watching that sequence specifically because she does get out of it pretty fast, but it's also, it, it's not so easy for her. Um, you know, I, she does take a big breath, you know, right before the water, you know, overcomes her head. Mm-hmm. So and I, she she does maneuver through it well. So I actually don't think that's necessarily a flaw. Um, I think that whole sequence is done um, pretty extraordinarily.
0: I'll, I'll give the movie credit for this. Showing her in her numerous uh, workout scenes and showing that she's physically capable. Uh, she's hitting guys with bats and escaping car wrecks and things like that. I, I will give the movie credit for showing that she, you know, works out and she is prepared for things like this. So in that regard, sure. But like I said, Ryan, more of a pet peeve than than a flaw with the movie.
4: I was no, I was just thinking about like during that whole scene. I was like, well, she works out a lot. Maybe her lung capacity is just really good. But she's vaping
0: all the time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, I guess.
3: But also like, you know, I so if you don't know this about me, I I talk about it all the time, but like I have a Peloton bike, so I'm really into spinning. And the fact that oh. they showed um, Rosman Pike spinning in like two like badass feminist like <laughs> montages, like how much more could this movie pander to me? It's like Rosman Pike said, "I am going <laughs> to give Ryan Showers everything he wants in in two hours."
4: Okay, spinny, truly, spinny I was and under bisexual lighting.
2: Yeah. yeah. I, I, whenever
4: <laughs> it hit the spinning scene, I literally
2: texted Ryan and I was like, "Oh, this really is a Ryan Showers movie." <laughs> <laughs> It's true,
3: true, or it's a lie.
0: So my grade out of 10 is a strong 8 out of 10 for this movie. And then getting over to its awards prospects, as we mentioned before, Rosamund Pike is nominated here for a Golden Globe Award for Best Actress in a Comedy Musical. I know that... For myself, Dan, Sarah, uh, because we had seen the movie before uh, Ryan and Nicole had before the Golden Globe nominations were announced. I know that we like considered this as an outside possibility, but it it, it didn't feel like it was going to happen because of how late it was coming out in the season with little promotion from Netflix. But I'm so, so glad that she got there because this is one of my favorite roles from her.
1: Yeah, Mm -hmm. it is a perfect role for her frankly and it is a great performance um i I, it it shocked me how long this movie took to get a distributor after tiff
0: yeah if this played in front of an audience this would have killed yeah i think
3: well and the you know she's so great at it and i would love for her to have that fifth best actress slot she like because she is flawless um you know and and the fact that, but honestly, the fact that she got a Golden Globe nomination despite all of the movies' distri- distribution problems, and the fact that Netflix waited so long to put it out, I think is a miracle in and of itself. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I do think I I do think it's a shame that she that she and Michelle Pfeiffer don't stand a chance to win over Maria Bakalova, um, because I do think they are the more credible performances in the category. Um, but you know. The nomination, I guess, is the reward. Yeah. yeah.
0: No, it's it's something I was not expecting, but I'm very, very happy that it happened. She's not BAFTA long-listed, and, you know, Rosamund Pike, homegirl advantage, you would hope that she would be, and that would keep her more in the conversation to get an Oscar nomination for this, but I think that all the things that we just mentioned before in terms of late distribution, uh, not being on the BAFTA long list... Uh, I, 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 I think that this is where it ends for her this season.
1: Unfortunately.
0: And any hope that I would have of like a contemporary costume design nomination, I mean, if it couldn't happen with Knives Out, I, I don't know what then.
2: <laughs> right. Honestly, if they ignored Knives Out and A Simple Favor, I really don't know why they would go for this in a way.
0: Now watch them go for Promising Young Woman for costume design just blow our minds.
2: (laughs)
1: Michael, that (laughs)
2: don't give me hope. (laughs) The thing with that is that even that would make more sense to me if, because I'm assuming if you think it could get a costume nomination, I think you're assuming it's getting a Best Picture nomination. Um, Hmm. And even that would make more sense. But like, I really don't see them going for a film for costumes that isn't at least in the Best Picture uh, conversation
0: agree. Nope. I agree. It's a
3: shame, but you know, Uh, you know, this is Rosamund Pike's third um, golden globe nomination and they clearly like her. Like, I think honestly, all three of her golden globe nominated performances are extremely worthy. Like they, she's completely deserving of all three, all three performances are amazing. Um, Watch her like some, like, you know, in some reality, I know this will not happen, but I think it would be very funny to see her, you know, a, a classic golden globes upset. Uh, to win you know come out i've I've considered it
4: i would literally scream at the top of my lungs
0: i I, like Mm. genuinely i would not be surprised if this is one of the situations where uh the late release making this one of the last things that the hfpa sees and maybe just maybe they do love her enough because of the previous nominations ryan that um you know maria bakalova being a newcomer and all and I yeah, there's a part of me. I, I'll i tell you this much. I think she's the alternative to Maria. I do, too. So fascinating. Fascinating. I'm not trying to give you hope. I, I'm just being realistic here.
3: Oh, no, I, I'm glad that you validated because I'm not trying to be a Pike fanboy. I genuinely think that there is a world where, you know, the fact that she, you know, they loved Gone Girl. They loved a private war. The fact that she got in for this whenever no one was talking about it. Like there is clearly something there. And the globes do weird upsets sometimes, especially not yes. in the main categories. Not that I know like sometimes comedy and musical is like downgraded. Um, but it's not like the film drama actress category. But I guess there was an upset recently with that. But you know, you know what I'm saying? Like sometimes And Michelle weird...
0: Pfeiffer's got a golden globe for Fabulous Baker Boys. Mm-hmm. Um uh Anya Taylor Joy's gonna win one for the Queen's Gambit. You know, we know that uh, Kate Hudson is not happening, so Yeah, no, she's the number two, in my opinion. I think that there is a world where she does upset.
3: And maybe people don't, you know, maybe Maria Bakalova, like maybe the Golden Globes don't love her as much as film Twitter does.
1: Maybe. It's possible. It
0: is possible. I would not, I would not discount it. I don't know if I'm going to predict it, but I wouldn't discount it.
4: We're manifesting, (laughs) you
0: guys. (laughs) (laughs) All right, everyone. Nicole, where can I find you on the internet?
2: I am on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxed at Nicole Ackman sixteen. Dan Bear, I am
1: on Twitter at Dan Dan on Film. Ryan C. Showers, you can find
3: me on Twitter at RCS eight one eight. Sarah Clements,
4: you can find me on Twitter at Mildred Spheres.
0: And you can find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to the Next Best Picture podcast review of I Care A Lot. You can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. If you want to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, rate us five stars, drop us a comment, let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can lend on over at Patreon.